Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam at WCEV 1450 AM Chicago. And I'm your host, Tariq Almin. Radio Islam is a live call-in talk radio program. We air every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central. And we reach the world by streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. Now you can also log on to www.radioislam.com to check out guest bios, programming, previous shows, articles, and more. And if you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Now, both of these platforms, it's the same handle, at Radio Islam USA. Be sure to like our page if you're on Facebook. And if you'd like to chime in to tonight's discussion, you can do so on Facebook. Just give us a a question or comment, tell us what you're thinking, or you can call us at 312-750-1178. Now, normally, I'm going to take a second. First, before, well, before I go into that, let me just say thank you for spending this hour with us, okay? You could be doing a lot of different things. You could be anywhere else, but you are making a choice to spend that hour with us here at Radio Islam. But before we get started with tonight's program, I have to I have to give you an apology. Now, in the tradition of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, prayers and peace be upon him, when we enter a room, we're supposed to greet those who are already there. So, in that spirit, I am greeting you, right? Not just giving you the salams or wishing you peace, but I think it's important that I let you know a little bit about who's sitting behind the mic, who's talking to you, right? So I use the words Radio Islam family, right? And that's not a catchphrase for me. Uh, I, I believe in this idea of us being a family. I believe in the human family. As most Muslims, as most, most people of faith, I would even say, we believe. So for the, for the Muslim listeners, we know what our holy book, the Quran, uh, it states. It says that, you know, we uh, adore your guardian Lord who created you from a single soul, right? And that soul, across the Abrahamic faith traditions, it is, it is regarded as Adam, right? From the single soul, and from it created its mate. And from the two uh, created, uh, scattered countless men and women. Um, much like seeds uh, throughout the earth. So this idea that we have a common origin, right? There's a relation. So when I say Radio Islam family, that's really what I'm referring to. So I believe that humanity is one family. So here is a little bit about me. I am from the south side of Chicago, Chicago, born and raised, uh, Inglewood, which is gets a lot of uh, attention in the in the news nowadays, and not for well, there's a lot of development going on in Inglewood, which is good. But historically, at least over the past 20 years or so, Inglewood has been looked at as a depressed community. Um, it's also one of the more uh, one of the more violent uh, communities in terms of uh, of gun violence. So there's a lot of work you know, to be done there. But that's the community I'm from, Inglewood and Auburn Gresham. So Southside, that's where I'm from. So all my Southside listeners, I'm, 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 I'm giving you a salute. Uh, nothing against our Northside listeners. What else? Um, I am the husband to a brilliant, beautiful woman um, who, is, who is truly my, my better half. Um, so uh, if you're listening, dear, uh, Assalamu alaikum, love you. Uh, that's uh, Dr. Aisha Alameen. Yes, I, I gave her a shout out by name. And we have three beautiful, uh, talented daughters who have taken my hair from me. Uh, I'm not if you've if you've seen me in person or if you see me in person, I'm not bald by choice. Uh, 
this is the, the ravages of, of, of fatherhood, which is the greatest, really one of the greatest blessings that I've, I've ever had uh, in my life uh, is being a father uh, to them. But anyone who is a parent, especially a parent of teens, uh, which my three are, then you know that it is more than a notion. It is, um, you know, it, it, is a, it is a challenge. Uh, it is definitely a, uh, a worthwhile challenge, but it is a challenge, and, and I blame my hair loss on them. So, uh, that being said, uh, I'm also the uh, imam of a masjid uh, on the southeast side of Chicago, Masjid Al-Taqwa, um, which uh, is a part of the uh, community of, uh, you know, represent the, a uh, part of the representation of the leadership of uh, uh, Imam Muathadeen Muhammad. You know, may Allah have mercy on him, grant him paradise. So enough about that. So just like you, I wear multiple hats. Um, I'm, I'm an activist. Um, I am a, a spoken word artist. Um, I am a father, but most importantly, I'm a father and I'm a husband. Those are the two things which are most uh, most dear to me uh, in my life and that, um, you know, that I identify myself first as, as a husband and a father. So I'm going to give you a quick story, right? And then after that, we're going to segue into our first portion of the night. So this is a marriage story. So my wife and I, we've been We've been married for over 17 years now, um, but we got married after two weeks. And I'm going to give you the, the, the short version of the story, right? And while I'm giving this to you, I'm inviting you, go to our Facebook page. If you have an interesting marriage story, share it with us, right? Tell us about it. Um, the whole idea about being family, you know, you call yourself brothers and sisters, or we call ourselves brothers and sisters, is that we, we have to know each other. If we don't know each other, how can we care about each other? How can we see, you know, what we have in common and what we need to work on, how we complement one another? Uh, it's not about us, you know, uh, being different and at odds with one another. So, anyway, here's my, here's my marriage story. I met my wife uh, to be at the masjid. She showed up... Uh, no, no, let me, let me back up a little bit. I, the first time I saw her, I saw her one time, and then some time went by, and then I saw her again. Uh, and it was at a kind of a youth cipher, which is basically, you know, it's, it's uh, like a halakha, right? And it was basically young, young Muslims, you know, progressive, you know, wanting to, to be of service, you know, looking at the, at the dean, at the religion, and... Uh, and asking questions and, and having conversations about it, you know, which were really enriching. So after this one day, when we both happened to be there together, um, we, after the, the talk, after our cipher, we all as a group, about 15 of us, decided to go out to dinner. And I ended up, as we're at this big table, we ended up sitting right across from one another. And we talked throughout the night. As a matter of fact, I rode with her to the, um, to the dinner. So we all were kind of carpooling. So as the end of the night, she took me back to my car. And we were talking. And I looked up, and about four hours had gone by. I got in my car and left. And I knew that, you know, it was just apparent to me, it was evident to me, that this was, uh, you know, this was it. So three days later, um, we, we talked, and I told, I don't, th matter of fact, it was so mutual that I didn't, I don't think I even proposed. We just kind of had that honest conversation about what is it you're looking for, and, and what are your standards, and, you know, what are your values, and, um, and after that, she went out of town for a week. She came back the following week. And we got married. So we literally, we got married from that date. We all went out together uh, and talked as a group. We got married um, two weeks after that. And we've been married for, you know, praise be to God, alhamdulillah, we've been married for over 17 years now. So um, that is that, you know, married three teen daughters who have, as I said, taken my hair from me. Um, and that is a little bit about me.
and we definitely, you know, look forward to hearing, uh, hearing about you and sharing with us uh, because that's the only way, you know, let's, let's get to know one another, inshallah, um, with God's permission. So uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to, well, you know what, before we, before we segue, someone, uh, one of, one of our, our listeners, made the suggestion. He said that, you know, because we've been covering some weighty topics over the past couple of days, you know, uh, and actually we're going to get right back into one. But before we do that, I'm going to take the suggestion of one of our listeners, and I want to thank the other listeners who have, and I would I would give you a, a shout-out by name right now, uh, but I don't have our Facebook page up right at the moment. But I, we definitely appreciate you giving your suggestions. So we put up a post and we asked, what are some of the topics that you would like to have us cover? And you gave some really great suggestions, and we're going to actually try to put some, put some time behind those and, and make, those, uh, make those a reality, make those happen. Now, there was one topic that was given that might be just a little too, too much for us to handle, and it was something along the lines of how do we get the Ummah back together? Now, that's a, that's, that's a huge one. That's a huge, you know, um, I say to, to, that, to that suggestion, because that, we know that's a long, with diversity, there, there comes different perspectives and, you know, uh, but that's a huge, huge, huge topic. But I say, first of all, we have to know one another, you know, as Muslims. There's a lot of diversity even with us as Muslims, just as there's diversity uh, within, you know, the, the Christian faith and, you know, in, in other faiths, there's diversity. So what's important is for us to know one another. And if we know one another, God willing, we can care about each other more. Our care and our love for each other will outweigh uh, those points where we have differences. So, yeah, so let's, let, let's try to do that. So the, one of the listeners asked, says, can we get a joke? You know, tell us a joke. Give us something that can, can make us laugh, lift our spirits, because I know some of you all are listening to us while you're driving, Right. Um, and you might be stuck in traffic and, you know, you don't want to be, you know, bogged down the whole time. You know, we talk about issues that you care about, but you still want, you want to smile, right? It's important that we, that we never lose our abilities to, uh, to smile. So in that spirit, I am going to share a joke that was shared with me. I asked, uh, on my, my personal uh, Facebook page, I asked for, Says somebody tell me a joke. Give me a joke I can use on air. A clean joke, you know. And I got a few. Oh, as a matter of fact, for those, if, if you want to send me a, you know, if you follow on the page, if you want to send me a friend request, do so. Just put, um, send a message with it, you know, especially if we don't have any, uh, any mutual associates. Put a message, message in that Radio Islam family, right, so I know that you're a listener. So here's the joke. A man told his family that when he died, he just wanted people to throw money on him. Now, he made them all agree to that condition, and over time, as is with everyone, he died. So at the funeral, all of his friends and family threw money on him. And I mean, as you can imagine, quite an amount of money had accumulated. So as the last man in the reviewing came up, he began to scoop up and pocket all of the money. So, as is expected, the family and friends jumped up and said, hey man, what are you doing? The man replied, don't worry, I'm going to write him a check. Hope you enjoyed that. That was the joke for today. Got some folks in here, we got, we got a, you know, Ibrahim's uh, on the board, he, you know, he, he smiled a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's 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 our joke for the day. Uh, I hope it at least made you groan, you know. Um, so we're going to move into our first segment of the night. Uh, and remember, this this is actually a uh, this is a pre-recorded uh, segment. There was a, a rally which took place uh, September 16th, uh, this past Saturday. And the purpose of it was to condemn genocide uh, against the Rohingya. Uh, these are the these are indigenous uh, Muslims. Uh, in Burma, uh, who've had their citizenship taken from them uh, in, about 40 years ago. Uh, they are being moved out at an estimate of about 20,000 uh, per day. Uh, they are spread out from Bangladesh to Indonesia and 
um, uh, other, you know, other uh, locations. But the purpose of this rally was to was a call to action. So there were speeches that were given. Uh, you know, we walked around the the uh, the, the plaza was at the Federal Plaza right downtown. Uh, you know, we were chanting, um, and the whole point was, as I said, it was it was a call to action for people to raise their voices to communicate with their senator, um, senators to communicate with Secretary of State uh, Tillerson, Ambassador, Ambassador Nikki Haley, and to just let let folks know that this is not uh, is not acceptable. Um, so anyway, with that said, we're going to take a moment and listen to some of that. Uh, footage that was uh, that audio footage that was taken uh, this past Saturday. Free free Rohingya. Stop the genocide. Stop the murder. Stop crime against humanity. Free free Rohingya. You're hearing chanting from the Never Again Happening Again rally which was held on Saturday, September 16th in downtown Chicago. That title is a reference to genocide, and the rally was a call to action in defense of the Rohingya Muslims of Burma. The Rohingya continue to undergo horrific hardships under the Myanmar military's latest campaign against them. Well over a thousand people participated in the rally. It was organized by Burma Task Force and the Council of Islamic Organizations of Greater Chicago. Full disclosure, Radio Islam and Burma Task Force both operate under the supervision of Sound Vision, a nonprofit organization. Immediately after the rally, I asked a leading member of Burma Task Force, Tausif Akbar, to give his thoughts. Um, you know, I'm very happy that the rally was well attended and a lot of people showed up. And we had our interfaith partners here. You know, we had Buddhists here, we had Christians, people of no faith. But they were united here for a cause of justice to relieve the Rohingya of the persecution and to uh, start action. And I think that's really vital. We're seeing a lot of people sign up, the volunteer sheets. Um, you know, a lot of interest, a lot of people who didn't know what the cause was about before, uh, who did not even hear about the Rohingya are now knowledgeable of that. And I think that's a, a huge accomplishment and there's just a lot more work to be done from here. And inshallah, uh, we can accomplish the goals we've set out for ourselves that a lot of the speakers uh, uh, represented and, and advocated for. So alhamdulillah. What follows are some of the key speeches from the rally. The MC during the rally was Hafsa, a member of Burma Task Force. Assalamualaikum, hello, good afternoon. Peace be on you all. Thank you so much for coming out. We're gathered here today to protest what's not a national issue. And it's not a Muslim issue either, it's a humanitarian issue. We find people who are deprived of food, water, medicine, and shelter. As of right now, even the UN is banned from providing the basic necessities for the Rohingya people to survive in Burma. This is not a war, this is a genocide. Yesterday, our Radio Islam host, Imam Tariq Amin, who will be speaking to you guys shortly, said in reference to Hurricane Irma relief, when people come together to benefit other people just for the sake of humanity, we replicate what the original human family was supposed to be. The same stands here. We've come together to have our voices heard by the government, raise awareness for the Rohingya genocide, and make a change. Azim Ibrahim is an academic specializing in international politics and security and is one of the foremost experts on abuses against the Rohingya, having thoroughly researched and written about the issue. His speech was one of the most informative, quelling many doubts naysayers have about the one-sided abuses against the Rohingya people. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. 
Assalamu alaikum, my dear brothers and sisters, my dear friends. By way of introduction, I'm an academic. I wrote a book on the Rohingya genocide, which to date is the only book on this topic. I spent five years researching this topic and made a number of trips to Myanmar and Bangladesh to see firsthand myself the situation there. Unfortunately, we are here again witnessing in real time another genocide. Another genocide which we will add on to the long list of genocides that have happened in our lifetime from Darfur, Rwanda and Bosnia and now Myanmar. And make no mistakes, my dear friends, that this is a genocide. Even though the international community will not classify it as a genocide. They will not classify it as a genocide because if they do, it automatically triggers actions from the Security Council under the Genocide Convention, which none of them want to undertake. Over the last few weeks, we have seen over 400,000 people cross forcibly into Bangladesh. That's over 20,000 people over 20,000 people a day, 1,000 people an hour. Numbers that a country like Bangladesh is simply unable to absorb. I have visited those camps and I can tell you unequivocally that the conditions in those camps are not fit for any human being. My dear friends, I just want to make three points to you, very simple points, which I want you to take away. First of all, the main accusation that is made against the Rohingya people is that these people are not indigenous to Myanmar. They are all illegal immigrants that, have came, that came from Bangladesh. And some extreme Buddhists actually put a date on when this term Rohingya was manufactured. They say it was manufactured in March 1942. And before that, this term Rohingya did not exist. These people did not exist. They're all illegal immigrants from Bangladesh, and we are simply sending them back to Bangladesh. One of the things I did in my book, I tried to do is try to get to the bottom of this. And I dug up documents from the Indian National Archive in New Delhi, which clearly stated from the time when it was British Burma, documents dated back to 1824 and 1826, when the British had done a census in that region, and then clearly states the term Rohingya for those people clearly describes those people as indigenous people and some historians date it back to 800 years when the Rohingya were actually there. So this idea that you hear that these people are all illegal immigrants from Bangladesh is patently false and does not stand up to historical scrutiny. But irrespective of that, that in many ways is irrelevant because these people are born in, Bang they are born in Myanmar and they deserve to have Myanmar citizenship. The second thing I would like to say is that there's a lot of pressure on the government of Bangladesh to do more. The government of Bangladesh is fully stretched in trying to provide sustenance to these refugees. It is not their responsibility. It is the responsibility of the government of Myanmar to take these citizens in and treat them as their proper citizens. And the third thing, very important, is that the government of Myanmar claims that they were reacting to militant attacks against security forces. And it is true on the 25th of August of this year, an organization called the Arakan Rohingya Salvation Army undertook attacks which left a dozen security officials dead. This is a very small, little known new entity which is being supported by outside forces and is not an indigenous organization. But irrespective of that, the response of the government has been overwhelming and completely disproportionate. I actually wrote a piece in Newsweek in December last year, which is in the public record, in which I make a warning that the government and military of Myanmar is preparing for a massive offensive, a massive offensive to ethnically cleanse this entire region. And in fact, the, che the, the chief of the army, General Minong Ling, is on record just last week saying that this current operation is unfinished business from 1942, that they intend to ethnically cleanse all these Rohingya. 
My dear friends, make no mistake, this is a genocide that we are all witnessing in real time. We do not want to be in the position in which, like Rwanda and Bosnia, in which we should have said that we should have acted sooner. There is still time to act. There is still time to do something. And let us not say, yes, we've seen this in our lifetime and we should have done something about this. Thank you so much for listening. Aksa Tahir, a member of Burma Task Force, read poetry written on the Rohingya tragedy. Hi everyone, I'm Aksa. I'm going to read a poem to you guys written by two Rohingyas. Uh, it's written by Ong Mang Mat and Tan To Ong, and I'm so sorry if I ruined those names. When I was five, a dark-skinned kid sat next to me in class because nobody wanted to sit with him. The moment I got home, I asked my parents, why? When I was five, I knew my teacher hated me. She never treated me well. She looked at me with disgust. So I asked my parents, why? My parents said, son, he is not like us. As a kid, I had this question, why? Why do people look at my friend in a weird way? Why does my teacher not show any kindness and affection towards me? Like she did to my classmates. If you ask me, I will tell you how their pretty labels, host, guest, change how people think. I will tell you how it feels to live with fear when nationalists threaten to burn down your house and kill your family. I will tell you no one ever asked to be born in a Buddhist or Muslim family. I will tell you how you'll find out there is no such thing as a pure race. I will tell you, unite against racism. It starts with you. Thank you. Ahmed Rehab is executive director of CARE Chicago. He gave a moving speech. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you all. My brothers and sisters in humanity, we stand here in this great plaza, in this great city, in this nation of ours, to stand in solidarity with the most persecuted people on planet Earth. The Rohingya have been, as you've heard, citizens and natives of the land in which they live since the 8th century. And yet, they are stateless. And yet, they are denied freedom of movement, state education, and civil sector jobs. And in addition to that historical reality, they have been subjected to multiple cases of persecution over history, the most recent of which, 2016, 2017, has resulted in tens of thousands of deaths, cases of rape, burnings of villages, and the displacement of hundreds of thousands of people, only because of two reasons. The first is their ethnic background, and the second, make no mistake about it, is their religious identity. Unfortunately, Islamophobia is a reality in our world today, and it manifests itself in different ways in different places. In the case of the Rohingya, the fact that they are Muslim is used against them in the dehumanizing and demonizing rhetoric of the far-right extremist Buddhist contingencies in the Rakhine state. Whether it is the extremist monks or state media or elements in the military, that is a fact. The second, I wonder, I have to wonder, and you know me, I'm very candid and very open and very honest when I speak with you. I have to wonder, had the Rohingya been Christian or Jewish, would we have seen the same stagnant, slow response from the world, from our government, from the U.S. Congress? I'm not giving an answer. I'm simply asking the question. And third, we have seen when Muslims are persecuted in multiple parts of the world, a narrative being built to blame them and to say that they are violent and that they somehow cause their own demise. We've seen this in Gaza. We've seen this in Bosnia. We've seen this in Chechnya. We've seen this in Afghanistan. And now we're seeing it once again in Burma, in the Myanmar Republic. And we have to stand up and say, 
We will not allow any religious community in the world to be demonized by simple virtue of following their own faith. And I want to be very clear, Buddhism is not the villain in this equation, as Islam is never the villain in the case of violence committed by Muslim groups in the name of Islam. Rather, extremism and ignorance and hatred and self-service and arrogance an ego, a human problem, is the ultimate problem, sometimes cloaked in religion, whether that religion be Muslim, and that has happened, whether it be Buddhism, and it is happening, whether it be Judaism, it has happened, whether it is Christianity or Hinduism. And so we stand here today in clarity. We will not demonize a religion. We will not allow our religion to be demonized, nor someone else's religion, but rather, to be very clear, that the criminal human behavior at the human level that uses religion, nationality, ethnicity, race, or any other force in order to suppress a people, to oppress a people, to persecute a people, is something to which we will collectively stand up and say, no, 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 we stand with our brothers and sisters in the Rohingya community and all others who are persecuted in the Myanmar Republic, because there are other groups as well. It is incumbent upon us, and I want to close with this, first, to educate ourselves of all of the details and to follow closely. We cannot be among those who are sitting on the sidelines letting this pass, because silence is part of complicity. We cannot be silent. We have to learn and be informed and to know, and then we have to act. We have here in Chicago, we're lucky and fortunate to have multiple organizations, prime of which is the Burma Task Force, a globally relevant organization when it comes to advocacy for the Rohingya rights. We have them right here in Chicago. My only action item today, because there are too many to mention, I'll instead mention the entry point, is to go to the website and to follow the action alerts and to follow all of the calls to action that they put forth on behalf of these persecuted people. Free, free Rohingya! Free, free Rohingya! Free, free Rohingya! Thank you and peace be upon you all. Brother Abdul Jabbar is a member of the Rohingya community here in Chicago. He gave a moving first-hand account of his own experiences. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you very much for solidarity with the Rohingya, for Rohingya. Especially I would like to thank you for the Burma test for always care about the Rohingya people. I would like to share about my village history today. On August 27th, I received phone calls from my village, from my sister. Then she's saying that Burmese, the military set fire on my village including my houses. She is screaming, she's crying. She say, brother, help us. My sister with the seven kids and husband and wife and my some other relative. I just can say, only a God can help you. So since then, Alhamdulillah, they try to manage escape from the village, from the house, but my house is destroyed, but burning down by the military. Now I lost contact with my family members, with my sisters. So I would like to say, the Burmese military still set fire on Rohingya houses, still killing Rohingya babies, Rohingya children, still set fire on Rohingya houses. They never stood a stop yet. Please raise your voice to support the Rohingya people, to save Rohingya lives. The Burmese government saying that we are illegal migrants. But if you see history, history, history of the Arkhan, the Burma, the Burmese, Burmese government are illegal migrants to the, our, our motherlands. Today, because of we are Muslim, because of we are uh, uh, Islam, because of our ethnic, because of our religions, 
We are facing ethnic cleansing. We are facing genocide. The Burmese government doesn't want the Rohingya people living stay there. They want to sweep out, clean out the Rohingya people from Markham State. So I would like to say thank you very, very much for supporting Rohingya people. Thank you. Other speakers at the rally included Abdullah Mitchell of the CIOGC, our very own Imam Tarek Alamin, Elaine Damio Siegel representing the Buddhist community, and Imam Musa Azim. The local mainstream media, however, was noticeably absent. This provided a somber parallel to the global mainstream media's relative silence on this tragedy until recent weeks. So I hope that uh, that small, I shouldn't say small because that was really packed, but I hope that gave you a feel for the, the, the spirit of the rally and hearing from some of the notables who spoke uh, gave you some context as to what's going on and why we should be, you know, why we should be up in arms. And I want to share, <clears throat> excuse me. I want to share one thing uh, with you uh, without taking too much time because um, the sun is setting and we are coming close to being able to say Muharram Mubarak, uh, this blessed new year for us. Uh, so we should be. So let me let me get back to my point. There are so many things. Um, sometimes you have to look at the suffering of other people uh, in extremes to help you to see the suffering around you, the suffering that, that you don't pay attention to. Now, what I mean by that, and saying this uh, pretty quickly, is that as, as an African-American, as, as, a, as a black man, as a, as a Muslim, you know, in the United States, when I look, when I look at my own, my own history, um, and I see, you know, so much that has happened, and I see you know, the, the struggle for, uh, for freedom, for equality, for justice. And when we look in the newspapers and we see how, you know, we continue to have these, you know, we're having protests because justice in the eyes of, you know, in the eyes of uh, those who share my history is being denied, you know. And I'm one of those folks, I believe, you know, justice is being denied. But looking overseas... Looking at the plight of the of the Rohingya and what they are being subjected to right now, it is it is it is undeniable, right? The atrocity is undeniable. But what it has also done for me personally, coming from my own perception and how I see things, what it's allowed me to do, it has allowed me to take notice of the oppression that has become normalized, right? Sometimes we have to see things in. Uh, an extreme for us to realize those things that we consider to be small, those things that are out of place, those things that are dysfunctional, that we accept as as, as being normal. So when we all, we, we, when we look at what is going on uh, with the Rohingya uh, in Burma, we look at their plight. What I hope it also makes us do, because it's so obvious, it's very easy for us to see that it is a genocide. Uh, anybody with the heart. But what I hope it also allows us to do is to look for the elements in society that take us down that road, you know, because they didn't just get to this point. It's the same, you know, we've mentioned before. The genocide in Rwanda, it didn't just happen. The genocide in Bosnia, it didn't just happen. The uh, the Holocaust, which is probably the, I shouldn't say probably, but is the most referred to, you know, uh, mass loss of life. Um, it didn't happen overnight. Just as the oppression, or just as the prison, to, the the school to prison pipeline, uh, it didn't happen overnight. Just as the impressions that we have of darker skinned people around the world uh, didn't happen overnight. These they're gradual stages, they're gradual actions uh, and rhetoric that take place that lead us down this road. So what I hope it does for us 
it call, it's a call to action for us to do what we can right here uh, to help those that are being affected. And we've mentioned before, and I'll say it again, you know, if, if you're on Facebook, the Secretary of State has a page. Nikki Haley, uh, ambassador to the U.N., she has a page. Go to their pages, you know, and, and, and show your uh, and let your voice be heard. If you're on Twitter, same folks. They also have they've got Twitter accounts. Same thing. But don't let your recognition of oppression and wrongdoing stop at what what is extreme. Open your eyes up and look at the injustice that is taking place right underneath uh, our own noses. Those acts of injustice that are taken to be normal, the things that we just walk by and don't pay attention to because we've, we've been desensitized. Hopefully, what we're seeing over um, in Burma, it reawakens our senses. It reawakens our uh, our compassion. And we can, just as we can be compassionate and concerned about the extreme cases of, of violence, the extreme cases of oppression, we can also be passionate and lift our voices up for those uh, instances of oppression that exist right under our own, uh, under our own noses, uh, right here, or wherever you are, because I know we've got a we've got a, a diverse listening audience. So wherever you are, you know that's one of the things that makes us family, is that we share similar values, and the values of of the Muslim is, or the the believer, is always going to be, oh, you who believe, stand firmly for justice as witnesses to God, even as against your own selves, your parents, your your family, your kin, right? Justice, justice has to be uppermost. That is what that is what bonds us. That's what ties us together. So, um, the the rally was it was a it was a, it was effective. There's another rally coming up this Saturday. Uh, we're we're going to be informing you about things that are going on, things that you can raise your voice, that you can take part in. Um, that can bring us closer together because we realize that despite our difference in appearance, our difference in madhab, you know, schools of thought, that we have a common connection and a common um, belief and a common commitment to justice. And if we do that, then, you know, look out world, you know, we're on to something. We can really model what we're supposed to be. So we're going to take a quick break uh, before, well, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to share something. I, I shared it on our Radio Islam Facebook page. It was a uh, a post from Ahmed Rehab, the uh, executive director of Care Chicago. It was very poignant uh, with regard to the uh, uh, Muharram. So you're listening to Radio Islam, WCEV 1450, and we will be right back, inshallah, with God's permission. getting around, I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show, produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Welcome back. 
Welcome back, Radio Islam family. You know who you're listening to. You are listening to Radio Islam. 1450 WCEV. We're on the AM side of the dial. And we reach the world by streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. Remember, you can always go back to radioislam.com and you can check out our prior shows. Uh, you can look at guest bios, upcoming events. And I'll tell you this, full disclosure, right, because we're family, we are updating right now. We're updating our website. Uh, we're making some changes. Uh, we're doing some additions. Uh, remember, social media, uh, it, it's big. We want to know what you think, what you are, what your questions are, if you got suggestions. Um, and we're at Radio Islam USA, at Radio Islam USA, on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, remember the Facebook page. I think I've already talked to you about that. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, an hour flies by really quickly. Uh, and we are coming to that wind down point. But as I said before the break that I wanted to share, as a matter of fact, I shared it on the Facebook page. So if you are there, if you are, if you've liked our page, check the post out. Um, we shared Ahmed Rehab, the uh, executive director of CARE. We shared his post. As I said, it was really poignant. And what I'm going to do right now, actually, I'm going to go ahead and just I'm going to read that post for those of you uh, who have not seen it. So uh, so here it is. So today at sunset, Muslims around the world mark the start of the 1,439th Islamic calendar year. Interestingly, the seminal event that marks the start of the Islamic calendar is not the birth of Muhammad, peace and prayers be upon him, nor the first deliverance of the verses of the Quran. Rather, an act of immigration from Mecca to Medina was chosen to mark the start of it all. This immigration was not just a physical one from death, torture, and persecution to safety, peace, and prosperity, but it was also a spiritual and psychological one from despair to hope, from pain and suffering to a fresh new start, from enmity and hatred to fraternity and community, and from desperation and defeatism to self-empowerment and resolve. In short, the most honored event in Islamic history was not what was given at birth, be it as noble as prophethood or as celebratory as wealth and power, nor what was handed down by God, be it as a holy, be it as holy as his divine words, but rather an action that man took to change his own condition, to aspire to grow, digging into his or her inner courage and faith and trusting and prayerful to God. There is a critical message symbolized in this choice, that whatever condition you are in, you can act to attempt to change it for the better. And when you do so in the art and science of Islamic values, you and I are finally truly touching what a Muslim is all about. That this faith of constant movement is about action, change, migration, and renewal, rather than sitting on one's hands and blaming the world. Thank today's courageous refugees whose physical immigration reminds us of this message. And I am also grateful to the many good folks in this world whose decision to immigrate from apathy to empathy and action is making the world a better place by assisting the most vulnerable. Have a blessed and reflective Rasasana and mark the occasion not with celebration, but a conscious commitment to self-renewal. What will you immigrate from and to this year? And that ends uh, the post. And uh, when I read it, I could not think of, you know, uh, sometimes when you read something, when somebody, when somebody does it really well or expertly, uh, there's no sense in trying to reinvent the wheel. You just share what they have given. And um, I'm sure that our brother would have no objection to us sharing it. I mean, it was a, a public post. Uh, <laughs> but... I pray that that you that you are as moved by that and contemplate on that uh, as we enter this this new year, this this year of renewal. For us to to self-assess, to look at ourselves and see where we can improve, see what we need to do to become better Muslims, better in our submission to the will of God. Now. This is also for 
uh, I, what I should say is I'm also directing that to those who may not have taken Shahada, who, who may be of other faiths that are listening. But to take hold of this principle of renewal, take hold of this, this principle of immigration, of leaving off that which is uh, debilitating, that which is destructive, leaving off that which does not give life and embracing that which gives you life in the fullest, in the fullest uh, capacity that gives you the fullest expression of life that God has intended for, for, for humanity. So with that, you know, I have my own self-assessment to do. I have to look and see, uh, you know, and I'm, I, I try to continue to do this, um, continue to look and, and see where I need to show up. Where am I falling short? And I know that's an exercise that, you know, that we'll be engaging in, you know, until we leave this life, because we will never, we will never arrive at a point where we are doing it all right, where we have all the answers, where we're not saying, I don't know, where we're not saying, I can't get better. So our prayer for you on this evening uh, and every evening, but this evening in particular, is that God gives us the strength to see ourselves clearly that he gives us people around us who can help us to see ourselves, to see those areas that we need to improve in. That he gives us the, the strength and the, uh, the will, the will to, to become better people. And in doing so, you know, cliche as it may be, you know, when they say be the, the change that you want to see in the world, but the better people we become, the better world we create and we do it one person at a time and we start with ourselves so that uh we're coming to the to the close of a of another evening i'm hoping that you will decide to join us tomorrow friday 6 p.m central um if you're unable to join us if you're listening to us right now um, and you're hearing these words not on a Friday, but a Saturday. We want to say thank you for, for listening to the podcast. Thanks for stopping by. So, without any further ado, tonight's engineer at WCEV was Leonard. Our engineer in studio, as always, is the reliable, talented Ibrahim Baig. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. And we pray for his safe return and those uh, who are with him uh, overseas. Your producer for the night, uh, for your, um, well, we're both producers tonight. Yeah, so, Ibrahim and Tariq, those are your producers for the night. I'm your host, Tariq el uh, As always, the comments of host, the guest, uh, they are always should be attributed to them and not they do not reflect the the values or the uh, positions of sound vision so we look forward to seeing you or talking with you tomorrow leave us a comment on our facebook page um, i'm going to leave you as i greeted you radio Islam family assalamu alaikum may the peace that only god can give be upon you